All right. So for those of you that are taking notes today, I'm going to, I don't want to frustrate you, but not going to get to the title for a little while. So you just leave it blank for a while. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. As some translations, what, and what I have found is that the most reliable translations all kind of differ in, in how they translate a couple of these words, and that's because it's not an easy crossover from Greek to English, and that's because um, really it's not possible to render a couple of these adjectives in one word in English from the Greek. This is a favorite of ours. This is uh, was the favorite verse of one of my mentors, uh, Jack Loman, who uh, is in heaven now and has been an elder of this church uh, for a long time. And really, without him, um, I don't know uh, how this church might be different. And he would love to quote this to us, to talk to us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Here in the New Living, now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I just want to give us kind of a a thought to start with. We're going to look back in a moment at verses 14 through 21 to help us with context how the people to whom this letter was written there there was a relationship between the writer which obviously we believe God's involved in that but between the human writer and the people to whom that are reading this and this is a a letter that's the kind of thing that's meant to be read over and over. This is a letter that's where each word is meant to be memorable, right? This isn't the texting or email age where you just kind of thumb punch and fire off whatever's on, on, on your mind and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, this is an age where it's a handwritten letter that was carried, uh, transported, took great effort to, to carry this letter to them. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that was chewed on, meditated on, thought through, prayed through, the, every word chosen carefully, the phrases chosen carefully and meant to be memorable. And I think we would make a mistake if we responded to this without asking ourselves, what did it mean to them? And how were they responding to it? And how were they expected to respond to it? Now, most of you have heard me give the context of Ephesians before. I'm not going to do all that today. Uh, the, but the, the culture, the history, the, the, the human events of what was going on, this city that experienced war after war and racial violence and earthquakes and storms and uh, homes and, and small businesses knocked to the ground. These were people that had problems. These were human people. These are people to whom life was not an easy thing that this is written. It's very important, this phrase. All glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now what I want to do is just read for a context, verse starting in verse 14. 
When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then, Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That end of verse 21 is the turning point in the letter. The letter really naturally divides between what is now called the first three chapters and the last three chapters. So this is a turning point. And really this week, if you want to understand this a little bit more, you can in maybe 15 or 20 minutes, just start in chapter 1, verse 1, and read right through chapter 3 and verse 21. It'd be very helpful to you. But I just kind of put a thought on the screen that I think helps us understand the context of the encouragement. Because the encouragement is God is able. Through His mighty work, There's mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I think that what you see in the context from starting in verse 14 is that he's talking about drawing strength from growing in understanding and experience of the transformative love of Jesus Christ. Drawing strength. Now, This morning here we have people, all different walks of life, all different ages, all different life experiences. And so maybe you've experienced this and maybe you haven't. But I'm old enough now (laughs) to say that I've experienced days of not having it. Not having it all together, not having the strength, not having the energy coming up against my limits. And I don't think comparison is helpful at all, but just so you know a part of what I mean by that, uh, through most of my life, I have um, had very little patience for jobs that I didn't care about, and I've cared a whole lot about not being bored. I actually, to be honest with you, and there are many stories with which I could tell that would prove this. I fear boredom more than I fear pain. It's just, that's me, that's how I'm wired. And so as a result of that, whether it was multiple jobs or whatever, I, I want to live um, the most out of every day. In fact, the last surgery I had, when they were waking me up out of anesthesia, the surgeon who was the chief of orthosurgery at Union Memorial, by the way, he had places to go and things to do, waited until they woke me up just to say this to me. Well, you don't do anything halfway. (laughs) 
He was so surprised at how badly damaged my knee was, he had to wait around to let me know that I gave him extra work. And so as a result of that, in most of my life, I've averaged a 100-hour work week. That's just, it's who I am. I just don't know how to stop. The same could be said for how I eat chocolate cake and suck down milkshakes and the Paper Moon Diners, salt caramel milkshakes, my favorite. Don't judge me. I love it! I kind of do everything all out. And what happens when you live that way is that you blow out your adrenal glands. What happens is you become exhausted. You go, 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 go until you're passed out. And my poor wife has had a number of occasions where then I'm passed out and no good to anyone for longer periods of time. So I know what it is to feel weak, to feel tired, to feel exhausted, to feel like Tolkien described it, like butter scraped over too much bread. I know what that's like. And so, like, I read this, and you guys know me, I love the sci-fi kind of sections of the Bible. I read this warm, gooey section of this letter, and he, he starts talking about inner strength. He's talked, the letter has been the, the grammar of all y'all, agape love, love gives. That's been the, the whole context of the letter to this point, and then the love of Jesus. And then he gets into talking about experiencing the love of Jesus, and to me it sounds a little bit like substance abuse. Maybe we need to read it a couple more times so y'all can get what I'm saying. Like he talks about so that you could know, he said, how wide, how long, how deep, so that you could understand. He uses an intellect, a comprehension word before he uses the experiential word. And I think he does that so that the comprehension intellectuals will not turn him off, right? Like they'll actually continue to listen, right, for the warm gooey stuff. And he says, so that you could comprehend. And then he says, that which is not fully comprehensible. Yet. Because what he's saying is that when Jesus returns and we're no longer limited by these human bodies and we get new glorified bodies, then we will be able to ultimately comprehend. But for now, you like stick your head in there and it goes, woo! Because it's too much. But he doesn't say so like that should just stop you. Y'all aren't good enough. I've got the knowledge. You don't have the knowledge. No, he was actually he and the Apostle John and Peter were actually fighting against Gnostics who were the ones who were saying, hey, we've got the knowledge. Y'all don't get it. No, the, the actual followers of Christ never were like that. They were just like Jesus inviting people into this experience and into this learning, this comprehension of who Jesus is and what the love of Jesus is. But it's not just, whoa, man. You know, so, you know I'm from the West Coast. So I like, like finding Nemo. Yeah. First you were all like, whoa. And then you were like, whoa. And then you're like, whoa. You got serious thrill issues, dude. Like, Paul, he, Paul doesn't just say that. He gives them a context for the how. And the context is really important. And that having, you know, grown up in the Northwest, I, I love trees. And I don't know nearly as much about trees as, honestly, most of my family members. Um, or Ray. Ray, who's planted more trees than everybody in the room put together. 
Um, so, but I do, I do want to venture in to talk a little bit about trees. And as is often, as is the case pretty much any time I talk about some sort of knowledge thing, there's going to be somebody in the room that knows more than me. But I just want to venture into that. Today's title is Cypress. I was, uh, I was listening to somebody talk about, uh, with affection, their father who had passed away. And their father was a woodworker, um, an expert in, in working with wood, and who really loved to build barns. And he was talking about how he learned from his father that cypress is a really good wood for building barns. And he was just talking about it with knowledge, but also like a whole lot of affection. And it kind of got me a little bit. So, you know, like I'm Googling Cypress, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out Cypress, and here's a little bit of what I learned. Comparatively, it's a slow-growing tree. It, that's not a bad thing, it's just different than other trees. It's a slow-growing tree, taking a long time to mature, but it will survive a wide variety of growing conditions. It sheds, it sheds its leaves and lateral twigs each year. So even though it's coniferous, it, it has, oh, it has cones, it's actually a deciduous tree. That blew my mind, right? Some of you, like, I don't know, that blew my mind. So the bark has a distinctive reddish-brown color and ridges. The base of the tree is often buttressed with these things that some people call knees, like trees' knees. There's, it's these knobs that help supply air to the roots, especially if you see uh, cypress in what's called a bald cypress in the southeastern part of the U.S. It's, uh, was it NC State that it's their, it's their flag? Their logo has a, it's a cypress tree that's right in the middle. Um, and that kind of cypress always has these bumps around the roots, which they help air get down into the roots. Um, but here's what the, the guy was talking about that I found really interesting. The wood is very durable, stable, and water and rot resistant, making it good for building particularly exteriors. It's particularly very good if you don't want to spend a whole bunch of money treating, painting, putting all this extra stuff. It's just naturally very resistant to water, to rot, to decay. Um, and the trees on average are 100 feet high, and just in case I know some of you are wondering, 32 pounds per linear foot. So, why on earth am I talking about this? There are a number of occasions in the scripture where it talks about people who have a healthy relationship with God, and it describes them like trees. It describes them like trees that are strong when the winds of life blow, when the storms come. But it doesn't just describe them in this cold, hard, like they just make a decision and everybody else needs to just punt or get, you know, get used to it. It's not that kind of a strength. It's where there is life in difficult circumstances. And not only that, the scripture also describes a person with a healthy relationship with God like a tree that bears fruit when it's not the season to bear fruit. And we have, we go through seasons of life. And um, seasons of life can be difficult. They can be challenging. And it's normal and healthy for us to say, why God, when the seasons of life change? And in some cases, we won't get the answers to some of those questions until we are in heaven with God face to face. 
But one of the things that I have learned is that in the spiritual realm, it is as it is in the natural, and that is this. Each season has elements in it that are preparing the way for the next season. Y'all don't want to know Baltimore without a winter where at least at least 12 inches of the dirt freezes. Anyone knows what happens? We get bugs like cray-cray. Right? The death in winter helps control the population of pests. And there's many, many other, Justin, Rebecca, there's so many different benefits to this as well. We have seasons in life that are like that as well. The scripture is written to us as a gift, and it's not based in a vacuum, and it's not for pretend people, fantasy people. It's not for some kind of popcorn, cotton candy Christianity. It is written for people like you, like myself, that have fears, that have challenges and opportunities in life, discouragement. And it calls us to specific decisions that if we will make, we can position ourselves to receive the blessing of God and the life of God. And when everyone around us is experiencing a season of death, we can experience life and we can speak life into those situations. Because just as it is the sound waves of my voice, when we create sound, we literally change the environment that we're in. That is the case naturally by scientific definition. So it is spiritually when I am experiencing peace and joy and life and love like is described here in Ephesians, I can speak life where there is death and life can come forth because God has created us to be his sons and daughters. And the scripture says that the universe is groaning. The creation is groaning, yearning for us to realize who we are and step into our identity with peace, with joy, experiencing the love of Jesus transformed and to speak life where there is death. This past week, on the day that the FBI raided City Hall, myself and a couple hundred friends were there when they left to honor a public servant four decades of serving Baltimore City and the songs and the prayers and the speeches were all about how Jesus is a servant and how we should respond. Our current acting mayor started to sing a song and people were laughing because he didn't have a speech written. He didn't know what to say. He's been honest about the skeletons in his own closet. But he he started to sing. And he started to sing about the glory of God. I don't know what his relationship with God is, but I know that he called on Jesus Christ as Savior. He spoke of Jesus Christ as our example. And person after person after person, on a day where people were speaking the death of Baltimore, were speaking life, and they spoke the name of Jesus, and they spoke about the example of Jesus as a servant of others. Now, I want to invite you to learn about the love of Jesus and to experience it. To have health, to have strength that people will think is unnatural. So again, our context here, drawing spiritual strength from growing in understanding 
and experience of the transformative love of Jesus Christ. Just to bullet point for you, what I lifted out a few kind of irreducible phrases from those verses 14 through 21. What we see written about is the inner strength through the Spirit. How many of you would like more inner strength? Inner strength through the Spirit. At home with Jesus as we trust Him. The, 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 the original language is really specific here. And, and this is where people talk about the unconditional love of God. I get a little bit like, eh, let's make sure we understand what's actually talked about. If I ignore Jesus as Savior, if I reject Him as Savior, my relationship does not have me in a place to receive that love. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So the condition is, am I receiving that love? Do I look to Jesus as Savior? Am I relating to Him as such? And the script, the passage here is very, very specific. Because the reality is, there's a lot of people that listen to a lot of different kinds of messages, Christian and otherwise. Oh, I get warm, gooey feelings, and then the rest of my day is crap. Forgive me if that's offensive. Why is that? Well, I'm just not good enough. No! It's because you can hear somebody else talk about their relationship with God and that is not the same as you and your relationship with God. And the the scripture is very specific here. Jesus will make his home in our hearts as we trust him. I understand that's not a difficult thing. We need healing. We need help in that process. And I don't think that God calls us to just a blind faith decision to just choose to believe. I don't believe that's in the scripture. I don't believe that that's what God calls us to. God puts himself out there, proves himself over and over and over and over again, and has supplied a tremendous amount of data upon which we can learn and search it out and grow and see God prove himself as we trust. Do you hear me? So this personal relationship with Jesus between you and him, where there's this uninterrupted dialogue between the two of you, it happens as you trust him. Our lives would be rooted in God's love, and that's where the strength is. So, I think sometimes we are asking ourselves and we are asking God the wrong questions. So what I think an appropriate question for you to ask yourself today Am I rooted in God's love? Sunrise Easter morning, a bunch of us gathered in the Inner Harbor of Baltimore to speak words of blessing over the city. And one of my dear friends did such a fantastic job with just praying about how God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life if I'm experiencing the actual one true living God and His Son, Jesus Christ, I should be experiencing love. Is my life rooted in that kind of love? To understand and experience the love of Jesus to be made complete. Don't have the time for it today. It talks about growth. I've had people ask me, do you believe that we are designed to grow or is that just all a crock, legalism, things, people? No, we are designed to grow. Very quickly in closing, I apologize it took too long with other things today. A couple questions to leave us out with. When you go back and look at this verse, ask yourself, what does God do? What does God do? And what I see is that 
He does more than we might ask or think. He's a creator, redeemer, provides a way for us to receive love, stands ready to act, brings us strength through his love. What should we do? Well, we should pray for each other. If you don't have the strength to pray for yourself because life is jacked up, take a break. Take a vacation from your problems. Pray for somebody else. Pray for them. Pray for their problems. Pray for their challenges. I thought that was good. Ask God for help. Do ask God for help. Do have daily personal relationship with Jesus. Trust in Jesus. In closing, two others. How do we grow in understanding the love of Jesus? Well, read. Read the words and actions of Jesus. Or it's available on audio. Even a stream. There's a Netflix series of the Bible. You can watch the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch it. Check out what did Jesus actually say? I've heard people say so many crazy stuff that Jesus did not say. Well, the good book says, "Mm, no, it doesn't. Check yourself before you wreck yourself because y'all don't know what you're talking about, right? So like, go check it out yourself. What was Jesus like? What did he say? What did he do? Because some of it's going to really surprise you. Consider deeply, and this doesn't happen, take it from a adrenaline junkie until you slow down. This doesn't work until you slow down. Consider deeply how the words and actions of Jesus reflect love. Ask questions, seek answers, read, discuss. God wants you to learn. He wants you to engage the brain. Lastly, how do we experience the love of Jesus more fully? Read the words and actions of Jesus. Consider deeply how they reflect love. And ask God the Holy Spirit to help you experience the love of Jesus. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer today. Lord, we need you. We need your presence. When we try to do life on our own, it just doesn't work. There's always something amiss. God, would you please help us to believe that you are able, that you are able to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. Would you please help us to grow an understanding of the love of Jesus, to grow in experiencing the love of Jesus. Help us to not fake it, to not try to be someone we're not, to not try to pretend we're spiritual in different ways. Help us to just genuinely, honestly interact with you. Help us to peel away all the distractions, all the confusion, all the prejudice we have based on interactions with humans. Help us to just honestly interact with you. Help us to understand and experience the love of Jesus. Thank you for it today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming. Uh, we've got something to eat, something to drink. Uh, lots of folks to, to talk with today. 
Um, again, next Sunday, we will be announcing our move to a new facility. Looking forward to that. Grace and peace to you. Have a great day.